Well, welcome to this bonus edition of the Naffy Break podcast. And following on from my pre-charity ride podcast interview with uh, Jay Worthy, uh, I'm delighted to bring on to the podcast today Gary Scott and Peter Golding, who were members of the crew that supported me on that uh, ride to remember. So, Gary, welcome to the podcast. Pete, welcome to the podcast. Good to see you both again. Yeah, and nice to be here again. Uh, and without having to get up at four o'clock in the morning, which is uh, the added bonus that uh, we've all had to readjust to. Um, Gary, first of all, let me, let me come to you just for the benefit of the listeners, really. What, what's, your, what's your military background, I suppose, and the connection to me, I, I suppose that's the first thing, is how did you end up being on the uh, crew? All right. Well, uh, I, I joined the Air Force at 17 and a half. Um, as you, everyone in the Air Force knows, we can join up straight as a PTI. I did my training. And then I think about nine years later, I ended up at Headley Court after qualifying as a remedial instructor at Woolwich Hospital. And I'm not sure exactly when this bloke turned up, but uh, this, this young lad, I say young, he looks young, he looks young in any pictures I've got. Um, but Dom, you, you turned up. Um, straight out of your training as well from being an RI. Uh, and I, when was that? It must have been early 90s. I, I think we're talking about 93. And uh, Gary, just you know, for the benefit of listeners, I seem to run around like an idiot, never having enough time to do anything because I was newly qualified and learning the ropes. And you seem to have all the time in the world. You had tea breaks <laughs> twice a day. You never seem to be rushed. And I always kind of remember those days. But I suppose the honest question is, why did you volunteer to get on this crazy, you know, ride? Um, well, it seems like ages ago now since I volunteered. Um, but I suppose looking back on it, initially it was, well, that sounds really a great adventure. Um, then it was, well, that's a great charity. So I mean, that's, that sounds like the obvious answer. But looking back on it now, I actually felt that you needed looking after <laughs> Excellent answer. And, and I say that in the nicest possible way, but I, I've known you a long time now, and we've been away on different trips, you know, work wise and stayed in hotels. And when you're focused, you do need looking after because you are really focused on what you're doing. And the stuff that goes on around you gets missed by you because you are so focused. Uh, joking all aside, I, I just felt that. You needed people there to look after you and to do the right thing and people that you knew. Peter, obviously we've we've known each other a while. Just, you know, again, your, your background, how, how did you end up volunteering for this? What's the journey? Uh, well, so the, my background is the same as Gary, joined at 17 and a half, but, but unlike um, both of you, I was uh, an aerial rigger for five years. Um, never wanted to be an aerial rigger, really wanted to be a PTI, but that was my way in. Um, and then I suppose, you know, I think that we met Dom in 94. Subsequently, I've, I've kept track of your career. And, and then was it five years ago when we did the, uh, the PTI uh, ride to School of PT and I talked you into doing that? And I said, oh, don't worry, Dom. We're, we're only riding at 15 miles an hour. And Kevin's told me that's all we're doing. Uh, and that no. was a fateful day. And, uh, and, and I suppose I've wanted to look after you ever since because I felt it was, <laughs> I, I felt it was my 
I was the reason why you had such a bad time because I was the one that told you it would be all right. And it <laughs> well, wasn't. Uh, yeah, and I suppose that was my first foray into long distance cycling. I wasn't a cyclist at the time. I just thought, well, I'll do this as, as a bit of a charity thing. Five years yeah. ago, you, you, it was yeah. that I started riding a road bike, and, and you're right, it was a torrid day. But um, mm. you know, as we as I've said in the previous pod, you know that was the trigger point really, and. Um, yeah, you probably did owe me one from that day, but yeah, um, I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but listen, you guys came onto the team, and and you were in one particular team, and and just you know, again explaining, I had a plan of how I wanted to execute this ride. There was a lot of logistics involved, you know, and organising. Mm. But I had this idea that we'd have two mini teams that the people would swap over on a daily basis. But I suppose when I actually put you guys together, my first thinking was. Well, I've got to pick six crew. I I purposely selected the six because I knew that the dynamic and being in such a close environment was was going to be crucial. You couldn't have falling outs, and I I couldn't have dealt with the stress of that. I think so. You know, from your point of view, how did you find that kind of team environment and the people? Because I know Pete, you didn't know Gary, I knew the name, but didn't necessarily know him from a work point of view beforehand. What was that like for you guys being on the on the crew? I was quite worried about joining a, a disparate crew. I mean, I knew um, John Tredgett really well. I knew of Gary and his fantastic reputation. I knew of uh, Chris Bedell and his uh, fantastic reputation, but I didn't really know anybody else. And, and my worry was being locked up with, you know, a group of people for almost two weeks and and not getting on you know what if there were too many big egos um because i'm not a big ego person myself and uh, that was a real concern for me my concerns were were all unfounded because you know after the first day of filling the wagons up it was clear we were going to get on and so you know i had a very rest restful evening that first evening because i knew it was going to be all right what about you, Gary? I mean, as you say, I know you knew Chris and it was you, Chris and Pete in the one vehicle. But like you say, you're in close proximity. You're not, not just in the van in the day, three of you in the front of the van, but again, in the evening, we're all in a, in a close space. What was, uh, what was that adjustment like? Strangely, I mean, we, we joke within the traits, don't we, that, you know, PGIs, RIs, AT, ATs, you know, OAIs as they were, we're all separate trades within a trade and we're all different types of people. But actually, our van had all three in there. And yeah. you'd have thought we would have been completely different characters. Now, I know I know Chris socially, um, but I've never worked with Chris and I've never worked with Pete, even though I've met him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But actually, as Pete said, within a few hours, it was like, we're having a good time here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're all laughing and joking. And it wasn't hard work. And, and to be honest, I, I was trying to tell someone when I come back that uh, I hadn't heard any news. And because obviously we had no television. And they said, what do you mean you heard no news? I said, the only time I turned the radio on in the van was when we were joking about keeping the noise down from Chris talking so much. Mm-hmm. There was never a lull in, in the two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and when a job needed doing, we knew who was doing what. It just it just flowed. It was so easy. It was it was a great mm. couple of weeks. Mm. 
I mean, obviously, from my point of view, I'm I'm kind of on the bike, and as you say, I'm busy doing my thing, and I'm just relying on you guys to sort things out. Essentially, we had a bit of a plan; it was fairly loose. I had an idea of you know logistics and what have you. What, what was the biggest surprise for you during the, I suppose, executing the plan? You know, daily out on the road with me. Were there any big surprises, Pete? What did you think? No. I I don't think there there was a surprise. Um, I I think everything that I thought would happen did happen. Uh, and I, as I say, after that first afternoon of getting together, I knew that everything that was supposed to happen going forward was going to happen. You know, um, we knew that it was going to take about three days for both teams to gel together. Um, not necessarily for each individual team to gel together. As, as Gary's alluded to, we gel together within the first couple of hours of, of that very first morning travelling together. Um, but but they, I, I, I think I was, no, I, I wasn't surprised because even though stuff was going on behind the scenes that you didn't know about, I wasn't surprised that those things got resolved as quickly as they did. Um, and... Yeah, and as professionally as they did. So, no, I don't think there was any surprises. Uh, I, I, I agree with you, Pete. I, I think the, the, if, if, if you had to call it a surprise, is that there wasn't any surprises. Mm. Um, and, and maybe that's because we didn't feel they were a surprise. I don't know if that's mm. just because of our backgrounds that when things tend to happen that weren't necessarily planned exactly that way, we don't necessarily think of them as, oh, that's a surprise, we'll do that. It was, oh, well, we'll, we'll carry on. Mm, maybe yeah. that was maybe that was the surprise, you know, that we we still behaved in the same way that we have done forever. You know, well, I suppose the reason why I asked that, and and there's a big, you know, obviously my work with Job Upper, we we talk about companies that want to employ service leavers and veterans, particularly, and and I have this feeling, and and we as an organisation have this feeling that people just get stuff done. You know, veterans, you just get it done, just get on with it. So they're that ambiguity you don't need a 100 defined plan that you can adapt you can change quickly and you can respond and i kind of get the feeling from what you're saying there that it's very matter of fact that whatever was thrown at you just went, well we'll just get on with it and it never it wasn't a problem because you didn't allow it to be a problem and, and i suppose i'm sure there were things that happened that i was oblivious to on the bike because oh. you just never let it get to me well, the obvious one that comes to mind is, I mean, Pete knows this already. Um, in fact, there's only me, Pete and Chris that knew it, was that within, I think it was in the first day, first day actually, wasn't it, uh, Pete, that we pulled up to check you were okay. You rode off. Just as you rode off, we had no signal to see where you were on our phones. Mm. And as Chris turned the key, nothing happened on the van. Mm. And we all we just looked at each other and went, "What do we do?" Mm. Straight away, found a bit of paper, made a phone call. We got a phone call back. I spoke to a guy in the garage, as these things always do turn out. He turned the key later on, and we drove away. And and we decided there and then, Dom does not need to know about this. Now, if that mm. had happened, obviously, again that day or the following day, we'd have dealt with it in a different way. But what could you have done? And mm. and well, we finished and you never knew until afterwards. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if you're looking at what's the mission, the mission, I suppose, was to get me around 2,000 miles in 12 days in one piece, safely, mm. 
you know, and everybody to to be well and, you know, no mishaps. And, and ultimately, it seems that that was always in your mind that, you mm. know, what is this? What are we doing now that contributes to that? And if it doesn't help that mission, then we don't need to do it. So, Pete, when you I mean, there were obviously things that we had planned, but there were some things that you decided to do as a team that I hadn't thought of in advance, but you just decided to do. I mean, how, how did you address that? And I'm thinking specifically, I suppose, about the routing and the directions and where to do feed stations and things like that, because that plan changed pretty quickly once once we got rolling. What was your what was your thought process in in taking that responsibility? Well, well, I I, I think that from day one we took cues from you, and they were not always verbal cues you know Gary knows you really well I know you really well from all of the uh, events that I've done with you in the last um, five years and so we read you as a person rather than waiting for those verbal cues and you know and and waiting for you to say I need this guys in the the I think it it works so well in the van and um, you know even even Chris uh, as a PGI soon recognised the journey that you were on and recognised the the visual cues, the facial cues that you were giving off when you were riding. And we just knew that, you know, a 20 mile stop wasn't going to work. So let's bring it forward five or at least ask if you're okay. Because um, one of the things that, that we got from you often, which is what Gary's alluded to already, is that when you're focused, you're focused and sometimes you forget to acknowledge the crew that was around you waiting for a visual cue. Um, and so, you know, we had to take those cues from other places and, and, and adapt. And they, uh, you know, for whatever reason, the configuration of your phone, your WhatsApp live tracking rarely worked for us. And, and there would be occasions when you say, okay, just let me get on with it for the first two, three hours of the day. Um, but if you your your route are taking you slightly different two hours, going through and out of Lancaster, you were on a completely different route to the one that we had on the map. Um, but we just worked out where it would be that we might, j- just might, um, you know, sort of cross paths again. And, and it turned out we were about a mile out. You know, we, we, we were a little bit further west at the time than than you were but we were only a mile away from you when when we did get comms so we're able to resolve that really quickly and I I think the more it went on the more we understood what you needed we just seemed to know it was intuitive towards the end what you needed next and where you needed it. Gary I'm gonna sort of make, make an observation here it would seem that all the skills you've developed over the years both, you know, through your military careers, all the different postings, communications, logistics, etc. It almost seemed like everything was boiled down into like a really condensed version that that these, you know, and also the empathy and the understanding of me, as, as Pete just said, rather than a set plan, you're reading me, you're reading the situation live and making a decision based on what you're seeing rather than someone handing you a plan saying, follow this plan. Do, do you think that, do you think that is a military thing? Yeah, I, th- I think it comes with experience. Um, just working with people, I'm sure. I mean, Chris is not here, but I'm sure Chris, when had people, when he had people in the door on a hook, 
he, he didn't just chuck them out. You know, he could he could read people because he had the experience standing there. Wherever I mean, he tells us stories about when he was in a balloon. We won't go there because I know that Pete has nightmares about jumping out of a balloon, <laughs> which obviously we, we, we told many. We told lots of stories when we were in that van. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's it's part of the training and the experience that goes with it. But I, I think it, it, it seems to me that if, if you've been in a while and you gain that experience and you've done the jobs, you are that type of person. But I think the the people that get involved in the military, in their roles, and hopefully we all succeeded in our roles, you are that type of person. It's not like you were in the Air Force or the Army or whatever for six months, came out and said, yeah, that's it, I've had my training. I think it all it's, it's a whole plan that goes together for you as a person. So I, I'm certainly not the person I would have been if I'd not even been in the Air Force. And I'm, I think I'm a different person because I was an R.I., yeah, and both of you have obviously had careers outside of the military. You know, left the military, went and worked again in in sort of civvy street. Can you see any obvious advantages of it being a team of veterans? Because obviously that you know that was my choice. I wanted to pick people who knew me that I kind of I have a trust element in. But were there obvious traits that you think we wouldn't have had that if it was just a, a random bunch of volunteers that we yeah. kind of pulled from anywhere? Uh, I, I think what you got from your team was adaptability uh, and having worked in the private sector, I think that's what you don't come across often enough uh, are, are people that just go, oh, this isn't working. Let's do something else immediately, you know, that they uh, uh, or take a decision to do something else or go and speak to somebody and get something else done. And I think that's what came across in spades with both teams was how adaptable um, we all were. Uh, you know, and, and that's when, you know, when Dan came in and, and Brian left us, the team adapted to Dan, who brought a different dynamic altogether to the one that, that we were used to with Brian. Invariably, you're going to get people who, and we've used that word dynamic, but are good in dynamic situations where you need to be adaptable, where you need to change your plan, um, where, where, you know, if you see that something isn't going right, let's, uh, let's do something different. I think to add to that, Don, uh, it was the trust as well. Um, the fact that I, I knew, it wasn't questionable that I knew that when, when certain jobs were going on, that, that other people were doing their bit. And it wasn't because I thought, well, I'm doing my bit, they should do theirs. It was that the team got the job done at the end of the day. And if you just happened to be quicker that day, I would then speak to Pete or Chris and say, right, what still needs doing? Mm. And, and they would do the same to me. And, and you know, mm. it, it just worked that we trusted each other to get the job done. In fact, we would joke sometimes that when we stopped the van, the person that jumped out first to say, I know, get the, the table out ready to start mm. would, would be, what do you think you're doing? I'm doing it. That's my job. You know, mm, we yeah. joked about it. Uh, you do your job, I'll do mine. And we did it with a joke and a, you know, a, a mm. laugh. So mm. uh, I think apart from what Peter said there, I think it was knowing that um, it was the sort of uh, the can do. I know we use that a lot, but we're going to get this done. It may not be what you thought we were going to do, but we're going to get it done. 
Well, there's another side to it to me, because I think, you know, in the workplace these days, you know, people can be worried about offending other people and how, you know, when service leavers particularly join a civilian workforce, they're, they're almost concerned that their approach or their attitude will will offend people and they have to adapt. But I kind of got the feeling, and, I, and it probably stems from me as well, I never had to worry about hurting anyone's feelings. It was just, right, just be honest, say what you need to say, and that's it. And I know you've mentioned about, you know, I didn't necessarily acknowledge the crew sometimes with signals. Mm-hmm. But do you feel that, that because that trust element is there, you don't take things personally in quite the same way that you actually just accept that they're just giving me information or they're just saying something rather than having to dress it up? I don't know, I don't know how you felt about that. From my point of view, I never felt like I had to dress anything up in a way well most of the time i don't think we felt that we had time anyway so i think when you when you're under time constraints you don't want to be having a discussion you know making each other feel fluffy and warm we need to know right we need this doing right let's do it and then you can talk about it later if you want to and, and we did do that a couple of times you know we'd, we'd do something we'd get in the van you'd have um, ridden off and and we'd actually initially would go, how can we do that better? Mm. Should, should we have done this better? Um, invariably, you know, after, as Pete's already said, after a few days, we'd mm. sort of decided, right, this is how we're going to do it. And we, we then had to tinker it slightly. But I think we had it, we had it down within a few days, didn't we, Pete? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and just, just reflecting back on uh, one of the parts of Dom's question there is, with with the way that that it's going with minding your p's and q's these days but um yes you do have to mind your p's and q's about how you're speaking to people but if you develop a strong bond in a team and and you know using the veterans as a as as a really good example is that they do develop strong bonds and once you've got strong bonds developed you can tell people how it is without offending them and I think that's what you know certainly in our in our bus you know Gary said that we we joked about it but actually we we joked about it in a serious way quite a lot of the time uh, and actually the message got put across and uh, uh, and there was never a crossword yeah oh. and, and I, I think that's what you get from people who've worked in the dynamic environment they, they go right yeah okay he means that or he, she means that, I better do it. Yeah, I've got, I got two kind of final things to put on. One, I'll, I'll ask you both the same thing. If you had to pick a highlight, as in something to make you smile or, or was like really good to see during that trip, Gary, would you, would you pick out one part of the trip that, that you'd say, that was really good? I hadn't experienced that before. That was great. Sure, that's really hard. I mean, I know when we've been on different trips and, when we're in the service and you, you go on expeds and you have these nice tours and I've, I've been away with rugby team, football teams and basketball teams, been to great countries and then, and they have been a highlight. But actually this trip had lots of different highlights for lots of different reasons. So I, I understand why you're asking the question, but I think it's really difficult to answer this time. I'd have to say when we went to Scotland, it was the views, you know, great views. Um, we met up with some people that I hadn't seen in, I couldn't even tell you how long since I'd seen them, but it was like I'd just only seen them the week before when we actually met again. Um, on the way down, we met more people at different rugby clubs that we hadn't seen for years. So they were they were highlights for me that during that trip, 
it all came together. So I'm sorry I haven't really answered your question, but I don't think there was one highlight. Pete, what about you? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I could say exactly the same thing as Gary, but for me, the highlight has got to be getting you to the finish on time and intact and then feeling your raw emotion when you realise what you'd achieved from where you'd started five years ago. Uh, and, you know, and I, I felt that emotion and uh, we, we had a, a, a really big hug um, for well, what felt like an age and, and I whispered in your ear, I can't speak. And I couldn't speak because I really felt your emotion. And, and for me, that, that, that was the absolute highlight. There were many others, but if, if it's pick one, that's the one. So honest question now, would you do it again? In a heartbeat. Mm, yeah, we'll do it again. And we've already decided that we need to do things differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- because, typical veterans typical veteran already working yeah. out right we could do that differently yeah yeah so uh yeah we need we need a better organized van and, <laughs> and i mean i mean the back of the van the storage in the van yeah that's, all the little that's, logistics I, yeah. I think from my i think from my point of view and, a, and an observation is looking at you know how people adapt to you know, very little sleep because ultimately we're talking about, you know, long days, four in the morning until, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And that's not just me, that's the crew as well. That dynamic of getting on, but actually finishing the task and getting the task, putting that as the priority. And, mm. and that, from my point of view, as the one who's out front on the bike, that, that was never in doubt. And, and I think, you know, from looking at what values that service leavers and veterans would bring to bring to employers. It's the stuff that's almost not written down on the job description. You know, the job description was get me to the end in one piece. Yeah. Feed me, water me, do all that sort of stuff. But all the extra bits that you just took, took responsibility for or added, which hadn't been thought of, you know, I didn't need to tell you to do those things. You you just Mm. kind of worked that out. So, you know, I think for anyone who's thinking of, you know, should we employ a veteran into the business? This is this is the stuff you get. Exactly. Yeah. But, but it, it wasn't all about you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know that was the standing joke all the way through, and it was you know having a six man crew to support one person is kind of like an easy thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, the reality is, and and you know, gratitude from my point of view. But I think as we close this kind of podcast, we're sitting at about. Seventeen and a half thousand pound raised for Scotty's little soldiers, which which ultimately was was the big, you know, that was the reason for doing this whole challenge. So yeah, you've you're a massive part to play in that. As of the other guys, you know, Brian Evans, Dan Evans, John Tredgett, Geraint Rowland, Chris Bedell, yourselves, uh, huge huge part to play in that. So uh, should be massively proud of uh, of playing that part as well. Thanks, Don. Thank you.